Just give one more praise to God real quick. That was awesome. Thank you guys so much. That was really powerful. Well, as I said before, my name is Doug, one of your pastors, and it's a joy to be able to worship with you this morning. Um, if you're new here, just so thrilled that you have joined us for worship this morning. This is a wonderful opportunity for you here at, at Parkview to come to Parkview and to learn what really God is calling us to um, in the years ahead. This is a vision Sunday, we're calling it. And it's not just one Sunday, but really it's, it's really the beginning of a conversation that we're going to have together. A beginning of what we sense that God is calling us, a direction that God is pointing us to go as a people. And so this Sunday is an opportunity for us to cast that vision. And as a church, as we move forward together, to, to move forward together around that vision in the direction that the Lord is pointing us to. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, and I sure hope that you do, I would invite you to take it out. And I would ask that you open it up to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be looking this morning at chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And so go ahead and open there. The words will be on the screen. You can follow along with us. I'm going to read God's word here, and then I'll pray, and we'll, we'll dive in, okay? This is the word of the Lord, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, as we come together as a church right now, Lord, we do so around your word. And our heart, our desire, our ask this morning is that you would help us to be a people individually, corporately, who are shaped by your word. Lord, and so I pray that you would speak to us now through it. Pray that you would use me to that end. And I pray that you would take this word, which we know to be eternal and true, Lord, and would you write it on our hearts and form us as a people accordingly. Lord, we love you, and we ask these things your holy and precious name. Amen. What does it mean for something to be great? To be great. Muhammad Ali, nickname, the greatest. For Muhammad Ali, it meant dancing around his opponents, effortlessly humiliating them and knocking them out. Wayne Gretzky, the great one. What did it mean for Wayne Gretzky to be great? Scoring points over and over and over again. Goals, assists, points, raked them in. The great one, Wayne Gretzky, was great. What does it mean to be great? The Great Wall of China, a massive wall on the northern border of China, built centuries ago, stands to this day, going over many, many miles of the land, is an ancient, great architectural feat. The Great Wall, the Great Barrier Reef surrounding Australia is massive, and its ecosystem is gorgeous. It's great. It's great. Well, we have before us this morning, if you have your Bible open, some of your Bibles will have a subheading above the words that I just read, and the subheading should say something like, The Great Commission. The Great Commission. It's, this passage is often referred to as just that, the Great 
Commission. It's, it's given by Jesus to his disciples and to all of Jesus' followers in subsequent generations. It is a call that we need to come back to as his people time and time again. And as we do, these words, our prayer is this morning, will awaken our hearts and fix our eyes on the task that Jesus has called us, his people, to. Collectively and individually. This is the Great Commission. So the question is, what makes it so great? Why is it a great commission? Well, let me submit to you this morning three reasons why this is great. First, we'll consider who gives the commission. Secondly, we'll just look at what the commission is. And thirdly, how the commission is accomplished. Okay? Who, what, and how. So first, who gives the commission? As Jesus gathers his disciples on the Galilean hillside, he, he doesn't begin with a command. Notice, if you look at the passage, rather, Jesus begins with a claim. He begins with a claim, a declaration of total authority. Everything that we're going to talk about this morning, or any morning in this church, for that matter, comes from this very basic but revolutionary claim that Jesus is Lord. Lord of all. Everything is under the rule of King Jesus. All of heaven, all of earth is under King Jesus' rule. If you're to read through the Gospel of Matthew, he, he goes to great lengths to demonstrate this truth, that Jesus is king, that he reigns supreme over all of creation, whether it's through nature, the winds and the storms that listen to his voice, whether it's the nations, just even today as we pause and consider what's going on around the world, we are reminded, and it's why God's people, as we, as we here in the United States look at what's happening in Afghanistan, we are, are broken over what we see, and our first response is to call out to King Jesus to intervene. King Jesus to show us how to move forward. King Jesus to act. Why? Because he's supreme over, the na over nature and over nations. King Jesus is supreme. He has authority over everything, over disease. He, throughout the Gospel of Matthew, heals people left and right, speaks a word, and, and disease goes away. He, he's supreme and, and rules over demons, can say a word and cast demons out of people. He is, he is authoritative over, over sin and suffering, over every single life. Jesus has authority over his church. And this is important for us this morning especially. It's been important for us throughout this year as we consider the vision that God is calling us to as a people. What we are not, our first move is to not look at other churches around us, okay? Certainly, there's things that we can learn from other churches. There are practices that we can follow as they follow King Jesus, right? As we consider the direction that God is calling us to, our, our first move is not to look at sort of well-practiced uh, organizational leadership. It's not our first move. Our first move is not to try and think, how can we be clever or cute? Our first move is to consider, how can we be faithful to the one who has authority over us? And that one is King Jesus. 
Our commitment as a people ought to be to be faithful to God's clear directive to his people. What is God calling us to? And so this year, this past year has been filled with, with getting on our faces, seeking the scriptures, crying out to God to show us the vision he is calling us to, the direction that we are to go as a people. And so this morning, it's about talking about just that. But before we do that, what do we mean by vision? Um, this language, vision, mission, strategy is common language. Okay? It's, it's important that before we sort of put it out there, and kind of what this morning is going to be is really a lot of defining the terms, okay? making it crystal clear what we believe God's calling us to as a people. So what do we even mean by this phrase, vision? Well, when we talk about vision, ultimately what we are using this word to describe is what do we see that does not currently exist? Think of vision as a guidepost that is out in front of us in the distance, it's what we long for, long to be. And we set our directions according to that guidepost. It's a flag in the sand that as a people, we come together and move towards. What is the vision? Well, as we have this year, it's been filled. There's been lots of challenges, many struggles, not just for our church, but for any church, just walking, navigating through some of the, the, the particular challenges of COVID. We have lots of specific challenges that are specific to our church for sure. And this year has been a year, like I said before, of, of meeting with members, of, of discerning God's will, of crying out to God for his help. And what we believe God is calling us to is this. Here's the vision. The Parkview Church exists to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Parkview Church exists to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you're reading that statement right now, what you're probably not thinking is, where did they get that? I, this is unbelievable. This is the most clever thing I've ever heard of. Odds are that's not running through your brain right now. It should not be. These should be very familiar words. Because these are words that have been given to us by Jesus himself. Two, two phrases that jump out on that statement. First, glorify God. This is what God is trying to do throughout all of time, throughout the entire universe, to bring glory to his name. This is the reason why you and I exist. He has placed us on this planet that we might bring glory to his name. And so as we consider what is the, the purpose of us as his people, as a church, it is fundamentally to bring glory to God. That's why we're here. It's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul says, so whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, you do everything for the glory of God. It's why we exist. And so as we consider the vision, it better promote God's glory. This is really, really important. What we long for as a church is not that the banner that is flown over Iowa City be the banner of Parkview. That's not why God has placed us here. What God is calling us to as a people is to raise a banner that has Jesus Christ written on it and to see that banner waved throughout this community and throughout the nations. That's why we exist, to promote his glory. How do we do that? By making disciples of Jesus Christ. Folks, this is what God is doing. And so for us, 
We are simply joining him in his grand cosmic purpose to bring glory to his name. Not just is this what he's doing, but we know as we read the Bible that this is what will happen. If you were to skip ahead and go all the way to the end of your Bible and go to Revelation chapter 7, as John, the Apostle John, peers into eternity, into heaven, and gets a glimpse of what it looks like, what we see is this mission accomplished. There will be people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, worshiping King Jesus around his throne. It will be a glorious thing to see and to be a part of. Jesus' mission, God's mission, will be accomplished. And for us... It's an invitation to simply join him in what he's already doing. And what's so awesome about this is that as we consider this vision that he cast to his disciples some 2,000 years ago on a Galilean hillside, that the way he accomplishes this is through his church. And the reason that we can still fulfill this mission is because the Son of God passes his authority on to the people of God. That's what makes this mission so great. It's one reason. What's another reason? Why is this great? It's also great just when we consider what the Great Commission is. And it tells us right there in the text. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What is the content, the substance of this commission that makes it so great? Is that God has called us to make disciples of all nations. And how do we do that? Luckily, tells us right there in the text. Gives us two sort of, two of the primary ways that we do that. It says, first, by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And second, by teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So, baptism. Baptizing, folks. Showing Jesus. A, a visible representation of who Christ is and what he has done. This is not the means of our salvation, but rather it's the demonstration of it. That's what baptism is. And it is through baptism that one identifies with the very person of Christ and is included into the body of Christ. As um, what, what, you guys noticed that when you came in, there's some booklets. And these booklets are designed for you to take and to, over the course of the next several weeks as we go throughout our vision, to help you dive into, understand, embrace, and become, uh, really enjoying us with what we feel like God is calling us to. And, and in there, in one of the sections, one of our wonderful elders by the name of Jamie Schrader talks about baptism as a means of enfolding people into the body of Christ. And that's what baptism is. Also, we are to teach them, it says, to observe all that I have commanded you. A, a disciple in Jesus' day is a common thing to have. Disciples. They were like apprentices. They were individuals who, who learned from somebody, maybe a particular teacher or a leader or a philosopher. People came to Jesus through faith and repentance. They were brought into the church through baptism. And the way they grow into maturity in their faith through, is through Christ-centered and spirit-filled teaching of God's word. And so the idea isn't just to enfold us into, enfold disciples into the church, but also to see them developed, to see them grow to maturity in Christ, to see them take one step after another of obedience to Jesus. Okay? We are to teach 
God's word. That's how we promote that. That's how that happens. So the question then is, what does this look like at Parkview? What does it look like to, to enfold people into what God is doing as a church and calling us to do and to take faithful steps of obedience to Jesus? Well, let me present to you our mission statement, okay? Now, this language might seem new, and it is, but it's also very intentional. So let me read it for you real quick. What is Parkview's mission? How does that vision become accomplished? When, we, when we're talking about mission, that's ultimately what we're saying. What is it that's true about us as a people that must always be true to make sure that that vision is where we are constantly, always as a people, striving towards? And it's this. What's our mission? To glorify God through the whole church, forming whole disciples of Jesus for the good of all people. What is it that must be true about us to accomplish that vision? The whole church forming whole disciples for the good of all people. So clearly you see here three sort of distinct aspects of this statement. Three distinct phrases. And again, this is not the first time we're going to hear this, okay? See some of you taking notes? That's a great idea. It's also in your booklet, which if you don't have it in your seat, you can grab one on your way out at the Connect Center, okay? Three phrases. First, you see, whole church. Again, unusual language, whole church. What do you mean by the whole church? Some of you may be thinking to yourself, well, a half a church doesn't sound like much fun, or a, a portion of the church, no thanks. Not a half of church, but the whole church. This is another way of saying there is not a particular profile that we are looking for here at Parkview to enlist people into the call that God has called us. The profile isn't like you have to fit a specific age, okay? This is not something that you can age out of, graduate from, or arrive at, all right? The whole church is involved in this, the whole church. Another way of not being the whole church would just say, hey, we hire staff. That's staff's job. It's their job. The reason why we, how we make disciples is we hire staff and they're the ones who are actively serving. They're the ones who are actively making disciples. That would be an example of a, you know, maybe a partial church. But what we believe is faithful to the scriptures and how God has designed this to be is that the whole church is actively engaged in the disciple-making process. That the whole church is involved. So the profile simply becomes, are you a member of Parkview Church? Are you a member of Parkview Church? Everyone here is enlisted, equipped, and commissioned to make disciples. And it also means, if the whole church is actively doing this, that each one of us takes spiritual responsibility for those sitting next to us, for those around us. Oftentimes, when we talk about um, what sort of the picture is, a good illustration of, of what, what God has called the church to do and to be, um, we, we oftentimes, many people would maybe design, think of Sunday mornings, for example. Um, oftentimes, people would think that Sunday mornings ought to be a little bit like a rock concert. Okay, and so a rock concert, if you've been to a, or we'll just say concert, okay? I don't know if it's rock or not, but it's a concert, all right? You walk into the concert, and you sit down, and everything that's meaningful, everything that's significant happens up here. 
And so the, there's gifted musicians. There are, there are lights that are shining on the stage. The lights out there are dark because you don't need to see one another, right? You don't have anything to offer. You're just here to consume and receive and enjoy, right? And oftentimes we can treat church just like that. Everything that's significant, the people who are equipped, the people who are called, the people who are hired are up here. They're the ones who should be involved in the work. And that's oftentimes how people can view church. Well, for us to accomplish this and to be faithful to what God's called us to, we are not trying to create a concert type of venue. This is not a concert. That's not what we're going for. But rather, a better way of thinking about church is, is more like a, a potluck. And in a potluck, what happens? You walk in, certainly you come with an expectation to receive right? You come with an expectation to receive food, to have a wonderful meal, and to be fed. But in a potluck, what's also unique about a potluck is that not just do you come expecting to receive, you also come with a dish to share, right? You come with some fried chicken. You come with some pie, right? You come with something to share, God has given you something. You have been blessed in a particular way, and it's your opportunity to share that with the body of Christ. And that's exactly what we mean by the whole church. This, this Parkview church is going to be a place where everyone is valuable. Everyone has a gift, and everyone is enlisted and called to make disciples. This is not just something slick that we've thought up. This is how Jesus designed it to be. So this is our attempt to be faithful to that. Whole church. We are whole church making, forming, sorry, whole disciples. Again, intentional language. We don't want to form partial disciples. We want to form lives that have been transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ and they have, been, they have been radically, radically transformed, all of them, okay? So as we talk about disciple throughout this series, and, and really not just this series, again, remember, this is, this is a new direction. This is clarifying where we are going. When we refer to disciple, this is a good way for us to think of what is a disciple? What is a, a whole disciple? A whole disciple is somebody who learns Jesus, who loves Jesus, and who lives Jesus, a whole disciple, the type of disciples that we're interested in, called in, forming, are those who learn Jesus, who, who walk in on Sunday mornings, for example, with an expectation to open up God's word, and they're asking themselves as they're reading or as the word's being preached, what is this word showing me, revealing me about who Jesus is? As they sit down in maybe their community groups and they discuss, they share insights from brothers and sisters, what they learned about Jesus. Individually, in the morning or in the evening, whenever they open up their Bible, that, that whole disciple is the type of person who looks and is constantly asking, teach me more about who Jesus is. But it's not enough to just learn Christ. Disciples are also those who love Jesus, who long for Jesus. And you'll see how these two things interact, right? When uh, I first started dating my wife, and my wife is from the country of Belize, and when I first met her, I'd never heard of Belize. 
I mean, maybe I heard of it, but I had no, I couldn't have pointed it out on a map, had no idea where it was. I knew nothing about the country, okay? Well, you can bet that shortly after she won my heart, which didn't take long, she's pretty awesome, shortly after she won my heart, you can bet, one of the first things I did was Google police, right? <laughs> I got to know something about this place. Even at the library, like trying to find books, learn where, where's it at, what, what are they, language do they speak, what's the, what's the country like? I had to learn about it. Well, what caused me to Google it, what caused me to read about it, was my love for Natalie. My love for her, right? Jesus doesn't just want us to be, become men and women, boys and girls, who just have a lot of information crammed into our heads but he wants to be people who have given our hearts to him and belong to him and who long for him. Jesus speaks very strong words to those who don't, who, who maybe have it out of balance, right? Very strong words in his gospel. And finally, what does it mean to be a disciple? Not just those who learn him, who love him, but also those who live him. So, so those who are whole disciples they are learning Christ. What is the next step towards Jesus that I need to take? That should be a question that when we open up the Bible, when we come to church, that we're constantly asking, how can I look? How can my life look more and more like Christ? And here's the deal. This side of eternity, every single one of us constantly is a work in progress. For all of us, that should be a huge, we should hear a huge sigh of relief, right? There's nobody here in this room who has fully arrived, we say that East Campus all the time. We are, all, every single one of us, every single one of us, we are under construction to look more and more like the Son of God, Jesus himself. And so what's the next step in obedience? So as you consider what a whole disciple is, it's, it's one whose, whose mind has been transformed, whose heart has been given to Christ given a new heart, in fact, and they love Jesus, and they are committed to a life of serving him and a life of obedience. Finally, we see that this statement that we, we form these whole disciples for the good of all people. Faithfulness to the mission that God has called us to elevates God. It is to bring glory to God, but it also blesses those around us. And this is something that is so important to us as a church and it has been his, historically that we as a people are an outward facing people because Jesus has called us to be an outward facing people. Oftentimes throughout this process and over the years when we've thought about what is a church supposed to look like and be, it's not uncommon to hear a question like this. Well, are you a church that's about evangelism? Or are you a church that's about discipleship? Got to pick. It's one or the other. Well, what we're saying intentionally with this language is, are you a church about evangelism or a church about discipleship? Our answer is simply, yes. Because these two things are not separate. That as the idea that God has called us to is that as we move closer and closer to Jesus, guess what we do? We look at the people around us and we we help them move closer and closer to Jesus as well. See, the reality is everybody in this room is at a different place in their walk. There's some who don't know Jesus. There's some been walking with Jesus for 40 or 50 years. Every single one of us, as we move towards Christ, this is a sign of Christian maturity. 
we look at the people around us and we think to ourselves, how can I help move them closer to Christ as well? That our commitment to the lost, our commitment to the poor, our commitment to the, the weak and the hurting, our commitment to the nations is a result of our, our depth as a people, our maturity to Christ, in Christ. We are an outward-facing people. Now, it's always struck me as we consider this great commission that Jesus cast this amazing vision to a team. Listen to the description. description. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw them, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, most of us probably wouldn't write it this way. It's one, one sign, one reason that we can say this is true. Some doubted doubted doesn't sound very i mean if you just scan over familiar at all with the team that jesus had you would say this is probably not how we would choose to do things think about it these jesus was just their king their leader was just crucified rose from the dead think about how confused these individuals might have been must have been yet this is exactly the environment that jesus gave this great commission and with no money, with no building, he sent them into the world to be his ambassadors, to be his church. And by God's grace and through his power, they did just that. That's why we get to Acts 17, 6. We find out that the, the early church was so committed to this mission that the people in, of Thessalonica said, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. It should be such an encouragement. If you're, if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, you know what, I've been on the sidelines for years. I've not in been, been involved. I can't look around me and show any evidence of where I'm building relationship and helping others move towards Jesus. A word to you this morning is be encouraged. Be encouraged. Why? Because ultimately, consider how this mission is accomplished. How can those confused Discouraged, doubting individuals be faithful to the, to, the, to the commission that God has given them and, and turn the world upside down some years later? Well, because ultimately, think about how it's accomplished. The final words of the passage, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How does all of this happen? Yes, it happens to the church, but ultimately, it happens according to the, the power of God himself. And so, as we consider what God's calling us to, it's not just that Jesus is the goal. It's not just that Jesus is where all of this is heading towards, but it's also a reality that Jesus is the fuel. He's the one that is accomplishing his work ultimately through his people. And so I don't know about you, but I'll tell you what. Like I said before, this has been a rough year, right? It's been a rough year. And what I am so excited for is as a people, as we bring clarity to what God has called us to, that as a church, we will begin to move forward, we will begin to make progress, and lives will be changed. Disciples will be formed by the whole church. And that's ultimately what it's going to take. So finally, in closing, what's next? As I said, this is the beginning of a conversation. And so over the course of the next couple of weeks, to make sure, what we're very committed to is to ensure that this vision doesn't just live on a shelf. It's not just a slick statement that's on our website. But rather, it is a guidepost that now everything else in our church falls under and, and is measured to how does, how does this action 
How does this action help get us there? Everything. And so to help ensure that that happens, the next couple of weeks, we will be giving ourselves to sort of two things on Sunday mornings. The first is, we will be clarifying our convictions. As we try to transform the culture of this church and and bring about health and move it in the right direction that God's called us to, we first have to start by clarifying our convictions. Why are we doing this? Why are disciples made? What is a disciple? How are disciples made? Where are disciples made? Who makes them? Clarifying our convictions for the next couple of weeks. And secondly, what we're going to do is, in align, aligning with the clarifying our convictions, we're also going to call people to action, okay? We're going to give you real clear action steps. How can you participate in this? How can you be a person who is helping others move closer to Jesus? And as a church, guess what? We're going to make progress as we clarify these convictions, as we call our people to action. I'm excited for it, and I cannot wait to see what God does in and through each one of you as a result. And so, just in closing, two actions for today. First, you've got a book, okay? If you don't have one in your row, there's more out there at the Connection Center. I would encourage you to to make sure you do not leave here as a family without one of these and invite you to to read through this this year, okay? Secondly, out on your way out, there's lots of food and activities, okay? But on your way out towards those, there are several tables. And if you are, if you're thinking maybe this is your first time here at Parkview, or you're thinking, you know what, I've not been really connected beyond Sunday morning, there is just a host of tables and teams who are are, are ready right now to invite you in so that you have a place of connection so that you can get busy at work forming disciples for Christ. All right? I'm gonna go ahead and actually... Just transition right now. The elders put together a video, and as we think about what gets them excited about this vision, um, we're going to have you hear a word from the elders right now. As the elders and the staff began to talk about revising our mission and vision for Parkview Church, It caused me to think back about one of the passages in the Bible that we find in Matthew 22 where the Pharisees are surrounding Christ and asking him, trying to basically test him about the great commandments. And so one of the Pharisees or the lawyers specifically asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus responds to the Pharisees by saying, The great commandment is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he goes on to say that the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It occurred to me that there's just no better way for us to really love our neighbors as ourselves than to introduce them to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if there are non-Christians, we would love to introduce them to Christ and let them develop that relationship. Or perhaps if they are Christians, if we can help them mature and grow more in likeness to Christ, that would be, I think, a great accomplishment for Parkview Church. In my own life, I can't imagine uh, having gone through the spiritual journey that I did without having the men in my life that I had. Uh, And this is a big part of why I'm so passionate about uh, discipleship, and especially as, as regards to uh, men's ministry and women's ministry. This is men and women uh, meeting together, uh, reading scripture together, or, or other things together, discussing those things, praying together, working through their particular issues together. Uh, this is a, a hallmark of 
of discipleship, of iron sharpening iron, and uh, this is a, a wonderful image also of, of what we are, are talking about here with uh, whole, the whole church making whole disciples. Parkview Church, I'm really excited you know, as our church family moves toward greater health, unity, and impact. The movement is built on the foundation of our Lord Jesus Christ and our vision and strategy for discipleship, where folks are engaged, evangelized, established in their faith, and equipped for making new disciples. Discipleship is also about family relationships. As we grow together as a family in Christ, we seek to move each other incrementally toward Christ-likeness. This process is as simple as people prayerfully proclaiming God's word to each other. The motive and passion for this movement is love, love for God and love for each other. So may God richly bless us as we seek to follow him together. My family and I have been attending Parkview since we moved to Iowa City 12 years ago. The last 18 months has been clearly the hardest. We've seen a close senior pastor friend leave the church, in-person worship put on hold, relationships paused for long periods of time. These are not easy things to deal with for anybody. Clearly the church has suffered in this way as well. I've also been blessed to sit with a lot of godly men behind closed doors discussing some of these tough questions. Who are we? Where are we going? What's our mission? What's our vision? These aren't easy questions to answer but I've loved the hearts of the leadership team of this church. There's been a clear emphasis on putting God first and putting individual credit far down the list. I love the idea of forming disciples in our community. I love where this church is going and I'm very excited to see how God's gonna use the church to bless our community in the future. There are two words in the vision and mission statement that especially excite me, glorify God. Not that I can do that, on my own efforts or abilities, the Bible makes that clear. Apart from God, we can do nothing. But my fervent prayer is that Parkview would be united with a hunger to know God and his word better and to help others do the same. Greeting each morning with excitement and great anticipation, with the opportunity to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and to let God's light and love shine through us in all that we do. And as a result of these things, that as a church, by God's grace, we would glorify God, not only in making disciples, but all that we say, do, and think.